0: listeners this is grace thank you for joining me one more time um and i look forward to having you hang out with us um in the next episodes ongoing um so yeah as you may already have gathered from uh, previous episodes i came to the u.s um a few years ago and i had to learn a lot and one of the things that i'm really excited i had a chance to learn is personal finances, the US credit system, just like getting to know that whole aspect of financing and uh getting to understand even just like sp- like straight up like your credit score, what exactly is that? Um and yeah, I got really hooked and fascinated by that. I think it's an amazing way for uh once you understand your finances it's a great way to be liberated and just make really healthy decisions and take over your own life um, and make decisions based on understanding like being very intentional with where you want to go your own personal goals and yeah that's why I was very inspired to learn about that and uh, even more beyond that the fact that I came to the US without a safety net I didn't know anyone that I could fall back on and sleep on their couch if I mismanaged their money, if I mismanaged my money. And so it was one of those, um, I think I started off from sort of our a mindset of uh, feeling like, wow, if I ruin this money, if I finish all my money, I don't have a safety net. So it was kind of an, a scarcity mindset, but I think it inspired me to have a thirst for understanding how I can apply basic principles in a completely foreign country and just keep growing and especially avoid debt because everything about debt kind of scared me Um, because as soon as I showed up, I started my PhD program, I learned that I had access to FAFSA, I tried to understand what that was all about and just the amount of money that was available for me to take really scared me. And I just decided I needed to understand all this in and out. <laughs> um, also, the fact that when I first showed up, um, trying to get housing was so hard. Um, I just remember I had to have one of my Kenyan friends co uh, because I had no credit history. And so, yeah, ever since, I've just like really learned so much. Um, and I'd love to explore my journey and uh, just like the stuff I've journaled about um, in the uh, in my um, blogs, uh, sort of my blogs and just like generally um, some of these things I even had taped them. Uh, some of the things I'm going to highlight in the next segment, I had taped them um, late last year and early this year before the pandemic showed up and I'm so grateful that I took the time to learn these. Just because you never know when an economic downturn. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. ...and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We'll come around just because economic downturns come in cycles... um, ...that show up in a recession and sometimes it could even become a depression depending on how long the recession lasts. And so, yeah, I think um, although this pandemic has been a very stressful time for all of us, um, sometimes I try to look at the positive, um, if that is even possible, and uh, I am I definitely empathise and I realise that it's a very stressful time for a lot of us. Um, but I think there's a bit of a silver lining in the sense that we are all uh, even a little bit more um, challenged to want to learn more about finances and feel like we're in control of that part of our lives Uh, just because um, in case anything happens and it's unsettling it helps to have a little bit more of a safety net just so that you can buy yourself time and uh, room to breathe Um, and with that I'm going to get started on these episodes. I had actually recorded them earlier uh, this year before everything blew up with the pandemic. Um, I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of the information I had combined was based on what I've learned about the 2008 recession. And yeah, um, actually another interesting thing I've learned about these recessions is that um, recessions usually show up because of, uh, I mean, with very varying degrees of impacts, and um, I don't think there's been a recession that's induced by a pandemic before, and that's a whole different beast um, compared to what happened in 2008, but I think there are very similar, a few very similar characteristics and uh, things we can learn from in the future, um, I think that's the whole point of life is um, whatever we live through we want to keep the lessons um, and I think this is such a big part of history so uh, we want to make sure that we are able to look back and see that we came out of it stronger and uh, being very conscientious and um, intentional with managing our finances is a big part of that So yeah, with that, I want to welcome you to join us in the next segment and um, enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome back to the Money Smart PhD podcast. I'm Dr. Grace Kisirkowi, your host, and thank you for joining us once again. Today we will explore a topic that has caused many people to get a bit nervous. This topic is a possible recession. Many people are wondering what they can do to stave off the worst effects of an economic downturn or how to recession-proof their finances. Also, what is the impact of a recession on their investments, job security and overall personal finances? so today we'll be highlighting this and to start us off we'll start with the basics of what is a recession so according to the national bureau of economic research a recession happens when prices of all goods and services that are produced in a certain economy uh, keep dropping for more than a few months Um, and this causes reduced spending among consumers and the consequent effect of this is that there's fewer sales um, and this causes a decline in revenues for businesses so this means that businesses will stop expanding and the resulting lower business revenues eventually they result in um, lower employment rates and uh, losses in investment portfolios so um, industries that are usually the most affected by a recession include manufacturing and retail. And uh, since at this point, people have less money to spend, the demand for housing usually also drops and the housing prices also go down. So with this also, it becomes hard to establish, um, to get credit or just to get a loan. Um, And so with that background, I'd like us to highlight um, what we can do protect ourselves um, in the event of a recession so what can you do what is in your power to protect your finances in a recession so a little bit more background is that recessions historically happen repeatedly it's just a normal cycle in the economics of a country and um, this usually happens um, it lasts For an average of eleven months, also according to the National Bureau of Economic Statistics of Economic Research, Um, and uh, it is not possible to accurately predict one um, whether a recession will occur at what point. It's not possible to do this accurately, and so the best way to just kind of be um, prepared for one is uh, think of your four buckets, your financial buckets of your income, your spending your savings and investments and so kind of safeguard these um i can think of three main ways that you can safeguard this um so let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about that thank you listeners, we are back with some tips on what we could do to protect ourselves and our finances um, in the event of a recession. And uh, like I mentioned, um, think of the four financial buckets of your income, spending, savings, and investments. And then um, I'm going to give three main ways to um, protect your finances in a recession. So the first is focusing on creating a cash cushion. So during a recession, cash is king. Um, This is because, like we've talked about, the market goes on sale. Uh, There are dropped prices since there's less demand for goods and services. And even the declining value of stocks presents an opportunity to load up on a batch of investments, but pay attention to industries that have higher longevity when purchasing these stocks on sale. Um, Warren Buffett actually said that be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So essentially you just want to be taking advantage of the time when um, stock prices are going down um, to kind of buy more instead of freaking out and selling your, your uh, investments at a loss. So a cash cushion enables you to resist the temptation to panic and sell all your investments at a loss during such a transitory deep in the market, it will pass. Um, this cushion also will double up as an emergency fund in the event of uh, mass layoffs. So you want to make sure that you do have enough to um, kind of wait around during a recession mainly because um, there could be higher unemployment rates, Um, people typically get laid off. Um, So uh, some good places you might wanna start your cash cushion if you're gonna need it relatively soon, include high interest savings accounts that are FDIC insured. Also some certificates of deposits um, with a good timeline um, could be a great option so definitely also don't forget your tax bills Uh, in the event of a recession you don't want an unexpected tax bill that you haven't like stashed enough money away for um yeah that's the first tip and let's go to the second tip uh this is make sure you're paying off high interest especially the variable rate loans. So uh, like we mentioned, cash is king in a recession and uh, having loans that pile up in interest will actually be um, doing a negative on your cash. So it'll be taking out uh, compound interest Um, but in the opposite direction towards the red. So this is why uh, before such a thing happens, you want to be highlighting this as a goal to sort of reduce um, the high interest loans, pay them off. Um, Prioritize that, of course, without jeopardizing your cash cushion. So a balance in that. Uh, and sometimes that might include um, increasing your income where you can um, to sort of highlight that as a main goal, reduce the high interest loans. So try to create a budget, a, a, like a budget that allows for that, that could al- allow you to have margin. We talked about margin earlier. So that way you have a margin between your income and your expenses um, using a leaner budget and a higher income. Um, look at episode one to get an idea about what we're talking about in terms of margin. Um, Also, uh, regarding what we mentioned, uh, that housing prices could go down, if you own a home or plan to purchase one, try to plan your finances around having at least 20% equity. Um, This is because during the Great Recession of 2008, many people saw their mortgages go underwater and this basically just happened when the values of their homes dropped massively and um so this implied that like the mortgage balances um of these houses were much larger than the new appraised value of their homes during the recession and so if um, someone owns a larger share of their home it safeguards against the financial fragility from such an underwater mortgage and allows them to sort of weather the storm until the market recovers so this provides more options also um so during riding out of a recession if eventually somebody needs to get some equity out of their house which is not the best option but at least you've got the option so again you've got some margin within that um the third tip I've got for you, and the last tip, is um, diversifying your income streams beginning now. And this could include starting off on your side hustles or a passion project, something you really enjoy that you can start on right now, sort of in your, like not, uh, I'm not saying you quit your day job, just kind of diversifying your income stream. So an insight that kind of rose up from all the layoffs that occurred in 2008 during the recession was there's a false sense of security in a traditional employment structure. Many employees were actually awakened to the reality that it is your younger self's job to take care of your older self. so we, were, we have to make sure that we're saving enough for the future and that we're diversifying our income streams, not to be dependent on just one job in case of a mass layoff during a recession. And so um, employers, um, employees these days, when I think like enterpre- entrepreneurs, you want to prioritize your brand success by taking up any opportunities you get to monetize your transferable skills that you're doing currently on your day job. Um, keep uh, maximizing your income potential um, since marketing markets keep evolving. So you wanna maximize your income potential by making sure your skills are up to task and uh, they're keeping up with the evolving needs of your market. Uh, so this just basically involves continuously networking with key players in your industry and just continually retooling Of course, um, these days, there's so many options to keep retooling without breaking the bank. Um, And the gig economy has actually embraced this freelancing mentality. It has lowered barriers to entry into consultancy. You can open your own consultation and have some uh, kind of online presence um, professionally. You can even build new skills through free online courses and passive income opportunities like a side hustle. Now is the best time to use your monetizable skills and reduce your dependence only on one income. So again, folks, I know recessions causes a lot of uh, an impending recession causes a lot of anxiety among people. But remember, it passes. It's just the market correcting itself, and the best you can do to be able to ride it out is sort of creating a fortress around your current finances uh, with these three main tips. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to uh, interacting with you guys. Connect with me, please, um, on moneysmartphd.com. That's my website. Again, moneysmartphd.com. I look forward to keeping in touch, and uh, peace out, everyone. Thank you. So the next part of this episode will be highlighting how we can plug and play our money from uh, addressing our own mindsets so i learned this um when i uh, also arrived in the us i realized that when i was coming into the us i had sort of a scarcity mindset i wanted to learn because i wanted to learn about personal finance because i felt like i didn't have much of a safety net i didn't have people I knew in the U.S. uh, that I could uh, sleep on their couch if I mismanaged my money or if something happened Um, so I wanted to make sure that I had savings I learned everything and I was being responsible enough to even um, if needed if I had to like get up and go home in case of an emergency I just wanted to be sure that I was being a pretty responsible adult Um, But I think there's a better way to address that coming from abundance. Um, And I think a good way to do that is to just kind of understand your values. So how to understand our values um, is what we're going to address in the next part of this of the episode so that we are approaching this money mindset from a very healthy place um, and that we can have it. Um, we can address it from a place of enjoying what we're doing and um, informing it intentionally so that our money is being spent on the things we enjoy and uh, the people we love and so that way we can um, have it long term. It's like having a diet that is too restrictive that you cannot really Um, stick to because after you restrict yourself too much then you end up binging so I think it's the same case with budgeting or handling your finances you have to find what works for you and it has to be something that you're completely in tune with and has it really makes sense to you so yeah this is something I really learned and I think um, I just want to share some of the things I learned Um, and actually Uh, had kind of journaled about this earlier this year, um, like back in January. And today we'll just be comfortably um, reviewing why we money. Just kind of getting an idea of why is it we are interested in learning about money, talking about money, writing about money. And for us to actually answer this honestly, Um, I think it's important to look within ourselves and identify values that are important to us. Um, For me, that would be being able to enjoy my work, also experiencing intellectual stimulation and having a great significant uh, level of choice on how to spend my time after work. So essentially, this just means having a margin. This allows for having a balance, to focus on enjoying your workflow, and then just stepping away and be fully present with the people we love. Uh, So I think for me, um, work, income, and spending must all align with my values. That way, I think that actually impacts um, the direction of a meaningful life. And I think having margin actually frees up our mental space because it also frees up our budget space. So essentially that just means that we're able to just laser focus on the things that are important and cut down spending on things that we, we, we definitely know do not align with our values. Um, another interesting angle I'd like to approach this is how culture affects our money values. Um, I think this will help us have a clear understanding of our intrinsic money values um, Because it actually influences how we choose to handle money unconsciously Um, So let's explore a few (laughs) ways that this could happen Um, In the West and in Asia, there are certain numbers that are associated with misfortune and they've actually been seen to influence business decisions Uh, For example, the number 4 has influenced Nokia and Samsung phone models because this number is actually homophonous to the word death. Uh, Stock market returns actually also tend to track lower on Friday the 13th than other days due to long-standing investor superstitions surrounding this date. Uh, Another recent study uh, that was uh, a survey of Swiss money attitudes revealed three overarching philosophies. Um, the first philosophy was that money is a soul of, source of prestige and power mm-hmm. and uh, this attitude actually was associated with carrying more debt and having overdue bills. The next philosophy was that money is just a tool to be managed. This was more of the healthy attitude that um, kind of reflected in people who had solvency and a sense of economical balance. and they did have savings, this cohort. Uh, the third philosophy was money is a goal-oriented exercise, and this was associated with having financial freedom, a sense of achievement, and just like hedonistic behaviors. Intriguingly, these money attitudes also correlated with uh, whether the populations were Italian-speaking, French-speaking, or German-speaking. So as you can see, money actually is also influenced by where we are coming from. Just also as looking um, into where I'm from, myself, I'm from Kenya, and uh, Kenya actually ranks as the most, among the most nations, the most generous nations in the world. Um, And the Kenyan coat of arms has only one word, Harambe, which actually means let's all pull together. And in Kenya, we have this uh, mobile banking technology that allows for money transfers that are actually independent of being um, having access to smartphones or computers. And this has really helped uh, people who are unbanked in the remote villages. However, there is a little of a different side to generosity. Although it's a great treat, if you don't expect the money back, But if you're expecting someone to give you money back, for example, you give someone an unsecured loan um, with money that isn't really disposable for you, then this has been seen to cause uh, complications in interpersonal relationships. So um, let's take a break and then we'll come back and uh, we'll look at how we can identify our values and make sure that they are actually aligned. We're being intentional with how we're spending our money based on uh, how they align with our values. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Welcome back listeners. So now we'll be talking about how we can have our values aligned with our money, our money spending habits, our money management, and, um, it's interesting that i found that uh, there's quite a few surveys that have found that living paycheck to paycheck is actually a daily reality for many households, um, including those who actually earn six-figure annual salaries in the U.S. And uh, consumer and student debt are two main factors that cause this cycle. I think we can gain more margin in our budgets, by uh, doing our best to align our monthly spending to our real values. Um, I think if we intentionally allocate money in the bucket of savings, spending, investing, and charitable giving, um, we may be able to get a little bit of margin and then also align our money spending to our values. So it's not always very easy to identify our values because they're often unconsciously informing our lives. Beyond that, I remember m- many of us when we start out, um, like after you get your bachelor's degree or your education, you finished, and then you start your entry-level job. Um, you kind of start to kind of lose who your where your values lie. I think because you start kind of getting into that rat race and uh, you are kind of pursuing something that um, is larger than you. And at that time, I think, especially for me, I was young and uh, there's just like so much that there's yet I was yet to learn. Um, but I think anytime, there's no time like the present to just kind of go back and figure out what exactly do we value, who, look inward and kind of like get in touch with who you are. And I think one great way to do that um, is kind of get in touch with um, answering a few questions. So think of the people in your life that you admire and respect and then list what it is about them that you admire. Um, is it financial security, being dependable, having a great work ethic, being um, like having great professional achievements, or uh, just like basically just living their truth, just people who um, tell you like it is, are authentic, are just living the be- their best lives now um, with their loved ones, great relationships. So I think also another th- great way to identify your values is think of the times when you're actually really at your happiest, when you're thinking, "Wow, I can't believe I'm this happy. I'm enjoying myself so much. Um, I could do this if someone, if I never got paid, I would do this all the time." So what it is that are you? What it is you're doing? When you're at your happiest, this will help you kind of narrow down on what your values are. Um, And this will actually allow you to realize what actually also worth spending your money on and what isn't. If you enjoy a night in with your family or just alone recharging with your introvert self rather than a dinner out, uh quote unquote networking with work folks after you've already had a long work day in an open plan office <laughs> then you can just prioritize grocery shopping and just minimize eating out you can just say sorry I already have made plans um just kind of be true you to your values and um just as a quick thought starter Studies have shown that if you value close friendships and family and kind of create those ties and keep them going, this is an indicator of happiness, health, and longevity. <laughs> so um, I, uh, if you are one of the people in your circle that's actually concerned about being financially literate, solvency, uh, don't worry about potentially being a party pooper because you don't need to just be, um to belabor those facts to your friends, I think you could elegantly just decline social engagements if they are misaligned with your money goal, but uh you can suggest maybe the next time a low cost outing um you don't need to belabor your financial considerations just say um just be as organic and uh, relational and unjudgmental as possible when you suggest for example, hey let's go volunteer at this organization that up uh, perhaps um kind of make a wish foundation for kids, something that you really value uh a passion project such as crafting or suggest a hiking adventure if you wanna be fit and healthy uh and then bring like amazing snacks that you make, just kind of things that after some time you'll be such a your frugal ways will be such a great addition to your social circles and you'll be also kind of very fully present with the people in your life that just add value and you add value to their lives as well. Um, Another thing to think about is what money goals can we actually align to get a margin? So if we break down a few of our monthly saving goals into just monthly milestones, I think this will help us sort of get away gradually from the paycheck to paycheck cycle. I know uh, once kind of you have the bills coming up, it's not easy to automatically snap out of it, but creating a plan is a big part of that. Um, And So just having kind of a financial plan that kind of really highlights what your values are, you're being very intentional. Um, I think that's a great part of that. For example, if you're a parent who is trying to make sure that your kid has a debt-free education, um, there's a specific way you can go about this, and uh, we can actually address this on another episode. Um, Another big line item on many of our uh, monthly spending is having your monthly cap payment. Um, Actually, according to Credit Reporting to Experian, the average monthly car payment in the third quarter of 2018 was $530 a month for new cars and then 381 for used cars. Wow, that's a big chunk of your monthly paycheck. Um if for example you have a financial goal for purchasing a family car, uh, at least for me, um I wouldn't purchase a new car whose value could drop up to in just the first year. I'd probably just save monthly installments in a high-interest savings account um, or even a certificate of deposit, uh, whichever kind of gives you the best rate. And uh, when it comes to time of purchase after saving kind of a good chunk, uh, I want to research consumer reports of the vehicle, make sure it's reliable, and then choose a purchase, like just... Like a very high quality used car after having a trusted mechanic inspected um then whether or not i choose to finance uh would also be very intentional like what kind of loan interest rate would i get while i still have the savings in my bank account like my, that's accruing interest um paying that's giving me like um dividends um you could still decide well if it makes not much difference if I finance this car, then just kind of completely removing all the money that I had, uh, saved up. Maybe it, it's like, I don't know if you luckily get a 0% APR, uh, loan. And, uh, if for example, things changed in your financial situation and you don't have your job, you could still pay the car off painlessly. Um, I think in that case, making that choice intentionally, whether or not to finance, not because, uh, you're totally kind of dependent on the financing to own your car, but because you still have the alternatives, just having choice. I think margin is what it comes down to. Um, and so like understanding what the monthly payments would be, how long this lease could be, and whether, like I say it's like um, should anything change if I lose my job? Will I still painlessly afford it with the money I have saved? Uh, while I look for alternative um, kind of an interim gig. And then once I do the patches I still have a line item that includes car maintenance and uh, obviously the usual transport costs of gas and insurance. So beyond this, I would want to drive my car to the ground. And at the same time, what projecting the next time I would need to replace the car and just kind of starting to save around that just so you can see you can just be very intentional around things like that and slowly kind of uh work towards creating a margin um so just i think it all kind of boils down to identifying your values and they're unique they're diverse you might have a different value than me some people love losing a new car every time so just you but at the end of the day you just need to be intentional and understand why it is you're making your choices? Um, so I think at the end, um, money talk to me is just an inevitable part of living life, because it allows me to just really find the causes that totally match with my money spending habits and my values. So I think at the end of the day, talking about finances does really allow us to always align our values accordingly. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for your time and for listening to this um, podcast. Um, Please uh, subscribe if you like it and don't hesitate to go to my website, moneysmartphd.com and uh, just reach out and let's connect. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much.